so this morning we have two readings, and the first is in Genesis 18, uh, page 17, and the second, if you're wanting to get your finger into the place in the church Bible, it is page 1117, <coughs> uh, and it's Colossians 1. So let's start with Genesis 18, reading from verses 1 to 10. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance to, of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they hurried. Do as you say. Not even they hurried, they answered, sorry. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And in Colossians chapter 1. Page 1117, reading from verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. 
if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Thank you, Lucy. May I speak in the name of God, creator, redeemer, sustainer. Amen. I'm going off script this morning. Some of it's written down, but not very much. The story of Abraham and Sarah is all about God's promises. Promises in the short term that have got implications for the long term. Promises to individuals that are intended to further God's purposes of bestowing blessings on all nations, all peoples. The call of Abraham was that so, was so that through Abraham all the nations of the world would be blessed. Universal scope. The promises are personal to Abraham and Sarah, but universal at the same time. But the story of Abraham and Sarah also reminds us that we humans are not very good at recognising both the scope and the time scale of God's promises and purposes. We want to know when God's promises are going to be fulfilled, if they're made to us. How? When? Where? We say it's because we want to prepare, we want to get ready for what's coming next. And there's some truth in that. But perhaps it's also a case that we don't like living with uncertainties. We struggle as well, I think, with the idea that fulfilment might lie somewhere ahead in the future. That it might not make a huge difference to us and our lives, but be beyond. And that our role is to just do something to keep it ticking over to its greater fulfilment at some later stage.
we don't like promises where it's not clear what the implications of what we've got to do now are spelled out. Let's go back to Abram and Sarah. You'll probably remember that they'd been promised a son by God many years earlier in their story. And it had seemed absolutely impossible that Sarah could ever conceive. She was too old, so was Abram. So they decided to use Hagar, the slave girl, as some kind of surrogate. And Ishmael had been born. But of course, that hadn't been what God intended. It'd been a human attempt to fulfill God's promise quick. To do it in a way that made sense from the human perspective. But it was contrary to God. And it certainly worked out in a way that Sarah didn't like once Ishmael had been born. And the whole thing went somewhat pear-shaped. And relationships within the family, the wider community of Abraham, all got soured. Now, you might think that God would say, stuff you lot there, got the promise going in another direction, but that's not God's way. God's people messed up. But God came again to Abram and Sarah. This time in the story that we heard, in the guise of those three visitors, God comes in some way that is discernible in the human scale. And there's hospitality being extended. There's a meeting, an encounter. And God promises explicitly that Sarah will have a son in due season. In about 12 months. So implying that there's going to be normal conception and pregnancy and the getting ready for that child to be born. God's promise is restated. We discover that God won't be thwarted. God doesn't change the promise. But that promised son still lies in the future. And as far as Abraham and Sarah are concerned, it still sounds ridiculous. Even more ridiculous than it did ten years earlier. Because they're older still. And if we'd read on a little further, we'd have found that they... But God goes away. The promise is made. And they've got to wait. Wait for it to come to fulfilment. Now, we know how that story ends. We know that Isaac is born. 
And we know that we go down through the generations to Jacob, Israel, and the whole unfolding story of God's people. That for us as Christians culminates in the story of another birth, of another unexpected, perhaps unwanted in some ways, son, and in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But of course, it didn't culminate in the earthly life of Jesus, because the promises of God, as we heard in Colossians, go on into the future. They're about that eternal life. They're about that coming of all God's kingdom. They're about everything being brought together into a unity of heaven and earth and all being in harmony through Christ. Lots of promises... were given by God at different stages in those stories, from Abraham down to Christ and on. Promises that were both short-term and long-term. Promises that sounded entirely possible and promises that sounded bizarre. Some were believed, some were disbelieved. Some inspired faithful living. Some the people responded to negatively. We know so many of those stories. God continues to promise to offer hope along the way pointers to that ultimate goal of union with Christ and life in all its fullness in whatever eternal life turns out to be, of which we can only experience a foretaste here on earth. So those long-term promises are ours, but how do we respond to that in the here and now? And what are the shorter term promises and hopes that God has given to us and is setting before us? You've called a new minister and you're waiting waiting for Bill to come. Bill is waiting to come and join you with his family. We all believe that this is of God, that God has actually called Bill to be your next minister to lead you on the next stage of your journey as God's people. 
and that Bill is a sign of hope for you here. But are you a sign of hope for Bill? You should be. And what would that mean? Do we believe, I believe that Bill is the right person for you. I believe it is of God that he is coming. I believe the next stage of your journey as God's people here in Camborne, as Camborne expands in ways that we can't yet imagine, is a hopeful, positive future. There's lots of exciting things are going to be happening here but I don't know what they are, and nor do you, and nor does Bill. And Bill doesn't have all the answers to the questions that you're storing up to ask him. Bill doesn't have the solutions to any problems that exist. Bill doesn't have the magic buttons to push that will make all the new people that come into Camborne flock in to grow the church. We hope and pray that the church will grow both spiritually, numerically, in umpteen different ways under Bill's leadership. But what does it mean for you now as God's people. Do you believe that Bill is of God? I think you do. <laughs> Are you ready to support him in ways that let him be your leader? Bill will come with what seemed to some of you new and perhaps quite strange ideas and to others of you really exciting and thrilling ideas. Bill will come with ideas that some of you will want to say, we did that, we tried that. Bill will come with questions to you. Where do you see God is leading us? in the next few months. It's together as God's people that you will take those next few steps that begin to unlock God's promises for you all. But you need to trust, to trust one another, to trust God's guidance and that it is of God, that the things that shake you up a bit are actually what God wills as the next stage of the journey. It's a time when you need to look forwards and not backwards. ever so easy to say, well, we've always done it like this, and this seems to work quite nicely, so let's carry on with it. 
or when something new is suggested to try and retreat into what a former minister used to do, because you like that. It really is important that your eyes look forward to those promises that we find in Colossians, those intangible promises, those hopes that are of all God's people being brought together in Christ. My prayer for you is that the next few months will be really exciting ones. As Bill arrives, his family arrives, as you all get to know one another and discover afresh the gifts that you have amongst yourselves, the talents. As you look through fresh eyes to see the opportunities that are opening up for you in this community. And I pray that you will love and support Bill, that he feels he belongs here in your midst and that you trust him and all the experience that God has given him thus far to bring something fresh. Not the magic solutions, but a contribution into the life of this place that you can embrace and move forwards together towards the fulfilment of God's promises and all your hopes. Abram and Sarah had a 12-month period to prepare for the arrival of Isaac and they weren't too sure what was coming. You've got some ideas of what's coming with Bill. I'm not going to liken him to a baby, but you've got some ideas, but you don't know all of what Bill is going to be and the personality that he's going to bring and how that's going to make a difference. Those of you who are parents know jolly well that having a child transforms you and the character of the child needs help to develop as well. So it is with a minister and a congregation. It's an exciting time ahead for which you need to prepare by starting to think outside the box of how do we help our minister feel at home and how do we together discern what God is saying to us for the next few months and the next few years that God's purposes may be fulfilled. God's promises may come to fruition and life in all its fullness might be the experience of all of you and all the community here in Camborne and throughout the world. Amen. <laughs>